Ba, 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 ba. Oh, we have talked we about our opening have we theme song. Trademark that officially, though. Is I hope so. Somewhere. Is anyone else hearing an echo? I'm hearing a massive echo. echo. Who is it? I'm I not hearing an echo. Does that mean it's me? Probably. Yeah. It was. I don't know what's happened. It was perfectly fine when we were talking about Steve Buscemi's finest roles in other similar films. Now we actually go on the live. You could say that this recording is a big cuckoo's mess right now. <laughs> I will leave. I will leave. It's been fun, everybody. I'm just gonna, Echo. gonna Echo. get out of here. All right. Hello, welcome to Schmo Center. This is the breakdown post match show of the Schmodown, hosted by the MBE crew. I'm Tony Hill. How are you doing? Uh, below me, we'll, we'll go this way. Screw you guys. I'm changing the format, I'm changing the order. Below me is oh, the I'm coffee, hurt. coffee making my show himself, Caleb Butman. Hello, you may remember me from such Schmodown uh, related content as. That time that we all yelled at Bonnie Somerville for two hours and nothing else. Wait, this is an SEM. Right there is Jacoby Bancroft. Hi. I can't follow that, so I'm just I'm I'm just gonna say hi. And the person that shouts at Bonnie Somerville the most, Thomas Scully. I restrained myself from that and 24 hours later, she was traded. So I felt that it, it, what I said was justified. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll cover that in a bit. Well, actually, should we quickly start with that? And I'm just testing I'm the that. echo. Yeah, wasn't me saying that. I don't think so. I get to yell at I get to yell at somebody else today. It might be Boatman. He does. Uh, I'm not yelling at Boatman. No, I say no, the echo actually. might be the Boatman. Oh, I'll, I'll just turn my myself down. All right. Um, so, still there? Testing. One, two, three. One, two, three. Testing. We should probably do this off camera, but we're here now. Off to a great start. Schmo Center. What, what if that Brian to, to edit this out? You know? Yeah, you know, it's fine. Brian, cut this out. Fix it in post. Three, two, one. And we're back. Welcome. <laughs> uh, but no, so um, the breaking news after the match from Brett. Sheridan versus Bonnie Somerville was that Bonnie was traded to the Burning Droogs in for Claudia Delph. Right. Anyone got any opinion on that apart from good riddance? I, 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 I love it. I I love it. Um yeah, I think that from two pers- it's very it's very different from both perspectives. From from the perspective of Shannon, th- this is a great trade. You know, Bonnie um she had a great a good performance. Uh, but she lost. Um, she's now 0-3 in singles. When you're 0-3 in singles, it's really hard to come back from. So instead of dropping her, Shannon was able to turn her into um, positive value, getting someone like Claudia Dolph, who we really don't know how she's going to do. But uh, best case scenario, she puts in a good performance and she's worth keeping. And if you can turn... A- any mediocre player into some sort of value instead of dropping them, that's a win. On the other hand, you have Robert Meyer Burnett. Now, I don't know if Robert Meyer Burnett was awake when he accepted this trade. I'm just not sure what his rationale behind this was. I'm not sure why he traded for a player who's 0-3 in singles. I'm not sure why he would give up a, a pick of his, I believe Claudia was what a sixth, seventh round pick, maybe. Even no, like she was. Uh, Claudia was the one that was traded for Drew Grant. She originally was drafted from the 
dungeon to the dungeon for like seventh round. Exactly. If you trade someone like Drew Grant for her, she obviously has some sort of value attached to her because you traded Video Drew for her, or at least you thought there was some value attached to Video Drew. And so now you're flipping her for you. Basically, you're trading in uh, Video Drew, somebody who made the team semifinals last year for an 0 3 singles player. That's it, that's the worst. In the words of uh, of the president, this is the worst worst trade deal in the history of trade deals. Um, I, I again, I I would love to hear Bernay explain his his rationale behind this. I'm not sure. I'm not sure what he was thinking. I mean, yes, you have a, a team gamble, in Alonzo right? and Whitney yeah. that that just won, but other than that, you're you're sinking, Burnett. You're sinking fast. And then uh, looking on the other side, so uh, for Bumpman and Jacoby, how do you feel? If you're in Claudia's shoes, she's now been traded twice, and the two people that so uh, spoilers we are going to be talking about the uh, the real rejects versus Cougars mass match. So both people that she's been traded for have lost already this season. How would would you feel going into that? Just like so, you've been passed around like a chopped liver, and then and that's <laughs> and then, the quality that you've been. Caught I mean, for. at that point, I haven't debuted yet, so I I she's been passed not... around more than a blunt in Snoop Dogg's basement. Yikes. I, I just I, – I don't think – me personally, I don't think I would be, like, super upset about it just because I haven't debuted yet. If I'm actually a good player – like, if I was if I was someone who was, like, pretty not great, then I would feel like, oof, I'm in trouble. But if I was, like – if Claudia's, like, a legitimately good player, if I'm her, I'm thinking, okay – these people are going to regret their mistake and this is going to be fun. It's, it's basically like you're, you get a chance to, to get revenge basically. So I, I, I don't think she's too upset. as of right now. And she can fit so well in with Shannon from that whole like revenge vibe. Like, okay, well two managers obviously did want me. They traded me away. Guess what? I'm back bitches. I'm with Shannon, the queen, and I'm going to tear up the uh, singles league now. So I, I, yeah, I think she's going to have a good attitude. And going back to Burnett's reasoning for why he does it, the only reason that I can think is it doesn't make sense. It just seems like a publicity move on just for for the sake of it. But if he's like the only logical reason I can think of is that if Claudia just can't play, if the reason she's being traded around so much is because her she has made it clear that her availability is not going to be very good this season, which is why she's so easily passed around. But that but still doesn't ex- but it still doesn't explain why he traded for an Owen three singles player. You traded yeah. for someone who may never play in the showdown uh, again, that's still worse than somebody who may not be available, but will be maybe down the line. We don't know. But that's, do they get the points? Does Rob, does Rob Brandonets get like, cause if, cause you don't get a, no. you get like half a point or something for playing or one point, right? Or no, you only get a point no, if you're managing at the time. So, so nothing carries over during trades. No. Mm-hmm. Uh, I managers think, keep their points. I think Malcolm in the chat makes a good point. Um, stop trying to make understand Rob Madsbanet logic. You only hurt yourself. I'm only doing that so, so I don't so I don't openly call him an idiot because I don't want to do that. I want to maintain some sort of level of professionalism on the show. I don't want to openly call him an idiot. Um, I'll so call him. I'll, I'll I will try to understand it. I don't I, think he's I will an fail, idiot. I but think I he's will playing try. the game in a way that makes him loud and boisterous and making mm. silly things because he's easy to hate, and that's the character that he plays and that he enjoys playing. So when he makes stupid moves, it gets people talking about him even more than it would have before. So that's that's what I think his mindset is playing this game and everything going forward about him. 
Yeah, um, is it Burnett does kind of seem that like, everyone else is taking this very seriously, like a sport, and he's just still in the mindset of just like, screw it, it's fun. Let's just go hang out with a celebrity, get my name out there a bit more. Also, that's fair. That's at least like, look, I, I think that's a bad way to play the game. Because, But ultimately, like, if he's committing to it and basically being like, look, I'm not good at strategy. I am just literally here for the joke faction. I am okay with that. I am okay with that. I, I think, you know, uh, not to get things too inside baseball, but I think the fan leagues had a had a faction that when it started, it was 100% a joke. And then they started drafting some decent players, and it kind of formed into into something else. Um, that faction was a little thing called New British Empire, um, <laughs> and it started out with us. Uh, if, if you're comparing Brooklyn Vale to Robert Meyer Burnett, he is going to come down from Canada and smack your coffee ass all over the Beltway. Yeah, I want to see that fight now. Uh, I am very fragile, so probably Brooklyn was. Okay. But no, like I, I just think- I think it's fun. I think it makes Claudia in the most interesting position because now there's so much expectation around her. Someone's been traded so much. I can't wait for her to debut. It's gonna be interesting. Also, uh Jacoby Den, at least for me, he went Japanese so uh dubbed. <laughs> you noticed that too? Yeah. <laughs> What's up? Yes, I agree. Uh, all right, so we'll actually we move into the match now. So, um, we it was the Cuckoo's Mess versus uh Real Reject. So, Real Rejects were coming in one and five, and Cuckoo's Mess was uh debuting. So, I think when we predicted it at the beginning of the match of last week, we everyone apart from me, I want to say, uh, we all thought that the Cuckoo's Mess had the better option. How do we feel after watching the teams? I, I think clearly, um, the biggest problem from what I saw, look. It all it, it was the same uh, instance as what happened with, with Tom and Paul in Deep 13. Deep 13, much like Real Rejects, these guys know each other. They know what they're good at. They know what they're not. They know everything in between about each other. Um, they can instantly do strategy without even thinking about it. With Video Drew and Rick, on the other hand, with um, Kukus Mess, the same thing with Paul and Tom. These, these guys, they're, they're still adjusting to each other, trying to work – out how, how the game works for both of them. Um, I didn't see any communication is, issues other than, you know, where, where, where she kept calling him Tom, which was which was pretty funny. Um, but I, I think, again, it came down to the knowledge factor. You know, Real Rejects were much stronger in the knowledge base. Uh, today, they came out stronger. Both got perfect rounds right off the bat. Um, so, so, yeah, I think Team Camaraderie, is what helped them the most. Cuckoo's Mess, it, it, it kind of felt like the beginning of a, of a sports film where the team is together, but they're not gelling at all, uh, but there's still room to improve. But yeah, I, th- I think chemistry was the big factor here today. And I love the chemistry too. I mean, like if you look at Real Rejects, like when they answered a question, when they got a question that they knew or like halfway through, they'd look at each other and laugh because they were both yeah. on the same page that they both knew it. And it's like, you answer, or you answer, you answer, you answer. And that's just what's going to happen when they play what? This is their fifth game together or not and they're Six. just friends and no, they, i'm sorry se- they're 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 seventh actually they're seven yeah. they just they play a lot they're gonna know what each other know and and be able to do that and then uh uh the cuckoo's mess just has some learning to do which is understandable after a first debut like it's 
it's going to be, I think that's going to be the thing we see for the rest, at least the beginning of for all these new rookie teams coming in, that the more that you know your partner, the more that you know that person inside and out, the better you're going to go, just because you can go, okay, he knows it, I don't, they know it, I or what have you. Uh, but just quickly in the chat, we have Video Drew. Hey, Tom Gels. He did have fantastic hair. He did. He and did. a baby. I'm terrified of that baby, I'll just say this. I what? I wonder if that's Rosemary's baby. Or the baby that they bring up because they bring up baby. It's it's one on his day out. But we didn't yeah. see three men with the baby, so that's that's something we didn't see. Right. That is like, Rick. We're, we're, we're done with the film references now. Yeah, I think Rick Hong had a very interesting, he, a very interesting, I guess, path in this because he has to come in and match Video Drew and to be the character that that matches Video Drew's energy. Do you think that's hard for him to do, or do you think he was he was up for the task? I, th I think especially when you're ha when he has to replace someone like Tom, who obviously worked with Drew so well, mm -hmm. it was a tall order nonetheless. But I, I think he character wise, he did he did well. Not knowledge-wise, there's so much room for him to improve, and I don't doubt. I I, I don't doubt that, that he's going to improve in the knowledge base. But again, when you're replacing somebody like like Tom, who he and Video Drew had like some of the best chemistry in the team's division, it, it, there, there's going to be a steep learning curve. Absolutely, it's one of the most difficult positions to be in that team and trying to take on such a strong character, and then oh yeah, it's your debut match. Oh yeah, you've got. A, know all this about a category that you, you spun away from then to watch them for round two. So just having to do all that and just trying to build it, just like, yeah, you're getting thrown into the lines, mate. And he did really well considering all that. Yeah, it, given the balance that he has to do, because both Video Drew and Tom had, did really master last season the balance between staying in character and still answering questions to the best of the ability. I don't know if Rick, the, the questions that Rick didn't know um, was that because, you know, it's just kind of difficult to to stay in this mindset of being a baby killer and everything like that <laughs> while still trying to focus. And will that fix uh, later on as it goes? I think so. I think it's just, yeah. you know, what happens in the first time you play. I agree. I think match added Matt Atchity is the best example of sometimes playing a character can kind of be a hindrance to the game. Hmm. And uh, if you remember, uh, I believe it was Patriots versus Modoc where yeah. he, he was uh, yeah. Boris and that, that kind of tripped him up. So I think that's just the thing where you just kind of get used to it as it goes on. I think it's kind of hard to debut as a character. Uh, I think it's easier when that character kind of develops. So I, I think that's just something where we will, we will see uh, Tom, or Rick get better as uh, things go along. I think something other to note is that for the first time, Video Drew had a manager. Like she had Kaiser in, in, in her corner. And I think from the start, we all thought that's going to be a very interesting relationship. You know, Kaiser is the big, boisterous, loudmouth figure. Hmm. Um, and Video Drew is... I not to say the opposite, but she's so different from him. Um, so I think when you combine Rick having to replace Tom and then Kaiser coming in with his sort of mentality and the whole, the whole dungeon mindset, there was going to be a steep learning curve. Um, and I think we kind of underestimated that as well as, uh, as, as well as how well the real rejects uh, uh, meshed. That is that is one thing I want to shout out is that I think all of us kind of forgot how good the real rejects were as far as chemistry goes. Yeah, I think that is a team that honestly, you know, who they remind me of a little team called Insert Name here in terms of chemistry. 
I thought that too. He's literally Jacoby with long black hair. A hundred percent. Okay. Um, so we'll go, break down into the match. So um, we'll talk um, entrances first. I think um, Ruby Jack's entrance of the year is probably already just because of the way that Greg Alba played against Jim Roca. And that, I and, love yeah. that. I said that in the chat just because it seemed like because Alba is kind of a goofy dude. But when Roca came in and seemed to insult him, Alba had a very logical, very reasonable explanation of why Roca's attitude in the game and how he plays it and interacts is not something that Alba seems to like. And that is the last thing I expected to hear from Greg Alba. Now, I don't know if it was fake because the whole mask thing and then there was the joke about they gave him the other mask. But it was still I just thought a great moment from Alba. Yeah. Uh, just that, that 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 was Greg Alba basically. I, I think it was also a mixture of Alba sort of robbed Roca of his entrance of the year uh, award. Opposite way, um, yeah. like at the at, at the eleventh hour. Um, but yeah, that was great, and that was Alba kind of being himself. That that was an entrance where they they came in, they were themselves, but they also added some entertainment value. And I think the Real Ridicks do that better than almost anyone. If you remember their match against Top Ten, mm-hmm. uh, I, I believe. Got uh, so, I don't know if it was Humphrey or somebody. They held up a board like, like a, a piece of plank that said top ten, and then Greg Alba roundhouse kicked it in half. Yeah. So I think they they're a team that does a really good job staying in character, but also being true to themselves, and that's what makes them such a great team. I think. Just say quickly the quote from uh, Alba about that. Um, a senior citizen saw my awards, so I stole his entrance. Then later on, my rational reactions are based on how you usually behave in this show. This is where. Just where my bitterness reaction has come from today. So I'm taking one or two jabs. <laughs> I think this is a start of a trend. I think that you're gonna have a lot of people taking jabs at Roka's behavior. Uh, I think you're you're gonna see a lot of other players like Alba, players who have very large personalities, coming after Roka uh, just to, especially if they're playing him. Um, I, I I don't think Oyama's is gonna go as far as to do that, perhaps. But I think if anybody, like if, if anybody in the team's division ends up playing Founding Fathers, they're going to play to kind of piss off Roka a little bit, throw him off his game yeah. through that. So they're going to look to Alba's, uh, the real Rejects' entrance as a way to do that. Okay. Uh, so moving on into the round one. So um, ever, uh, the first question everyone gets to write. The second one, I just want to point something out. They've used a word there multiple times that is offensive to a community. In uh, the crime question, it was Bradford Place. Is it, is it Irish? Chicken. No, the other one. Uh, the word um, for anyone that doesn't know. Oh, uh, Brad Pitt. Yeah, Brad Pitt. Uh, it does actually mean shit and cock and rhyming slang. No, uh, but uh, the word pikey is actually quite offensive to the traveling community. So it, I just found that really interesting, but I kept using it. Just like, no one Googled anything or asked anyone British? I mean, but, the Schmoder, I I'm going to be on it. Of the three American players, uh, or three American people here, uh, who of us actually knew that was offensive to those people? Because I did not. And I, I, don't think anybody... I bet if Jack Hine was there, he would have said something. <laughs> sure. I know he wouldn't have. Jack Hine was <laughs> Yikes. But yeah, uh, so uh, Rick Duck got the question correct, incorrect, and then started to act, cat the baby, which is it's good, not- which is good character. I think just like he's playing with what he's supposed to be doing character wise in that. Um, he's he's responding but you shouldn't to attack babies. Yeah, don't, don't, don't attack babies. Don't attack Hashtag babies. don't attack babies. It's not okay to attack babies. Um, Hashtag NBE is against baby attacking. 
please, yeah, please, I'll say that. In case we I need do. to get that out there. <laughs> yeah, especially since that's my career. Please, yes. <laughs> oh God, everyone, everyone forgets. Um, so uh, I'm just actually curious. Like, do you, do we think the baby's gonna stick around? A because it's a, technically a third member of the team, so it's illegal. <laughs> I think at some point we're gonna see a cutscene where where Kaiser is having an argument with the baby. <laughs> I would like it if each time they bring in some type of prop like a baby that they that they that they're watching over. Like each time they play, they're watching, they're babysitting something else, and it just keeps progressively get more ridiculous. A bag of flour. Yeah, something it's like something like really crazy at the end. Maybe a watermelon that's like dressed as a baby. Yeah. All right. Um. And moving forward, so everyone gets uh, next couple of questions. Right. There was um one that I just found a bit weird. It was the um. Quotes, which 80s film is known for the line, greed for the lack of a better word is good. Because that's been used so much in this mode at the moment because of the thin shock exchange. That was the Dagnino's whole promo in Spectacular. That's their whole thing at the moment is the Wall Street yuppie vibe. Sure, but that could have been in the document for who knows how long before any of this started happening. Yeah, I, yeah. I, 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 I think that's more of a coincidence than, than, than anything I don't think Dagnino is smart enough to hijack his way into the in, in, into a writer's <laughs> document. Um, so yeah, I just I, just know I don't that. think Dagnino could get into an Applebee's uh, without having to use a fake ID. So I'm not sure he could use that. Use a, I know he does lock doors pretty well. Yeah, interesting. You you didn't get that when he locks uh, Emma Fife in the closet. Oh God, yeah, locks her in the closet. And then um, run my I'm like over three on references today. You guys, you, you guys are killing me here. I'll yeah. laugh at your next one. I, I promise. Just laugh at me in general. It's fine. <laughs> okay, then moving on. So uh, everyone goes correct until the seventh question, which is a horror question. Uh, so what 2017 horror set? Jane Lee Bard, Finn and Sophie Lillis, which Drew gets incorrect. Um, but they do challenge it because um, it, the question was uh, the answer is it, but they were saying it chapter one. It was a challenge that they knew that I don't think that they were going to win, but they were just like, let's just do it. But is hey, that the best strategy to do? It's the same thing as, as Star Wars. Like, like this match had been played in like 1978. It w only Star Wars would have been acceptable. Today, you, you could say Episode 4. You could say A New Hope. You could say Star Wars. It, it's called a number of different things. And because you have It Chapter 2, it's safe to assume that the other one is It Chapter 1. It, it's, yeah. I mean, I, I, I agree. I, I, I think it was just more for let's just throw the challenge out there um, and just see what happens. And just hope to knock someone's perfect game off. Yeah, hold some momentum. Does, mm -hmm. it, do, it does hold momentum because they have to actually go and check the question to see if it's right. And look, both are a question away from a perfect game. Might as well try and sump their momentum now before they get too far ahead. Yeah. All right. Uh, then moving on. So, um, the real Richard, well, everyone's final question about the uh, Prince of Egypt question. So, real Richard get both get a perfect round. I believe if my memory serves is the fifth team to do it together, hmm. which is pretty impressive because, like, especially if you compare these questions to what we've seen previously, the the Brett versus Bunny match and the Ben versus RB3 match, they are significantly harder. So uh, I think you're just going to see that more often. This one. I'm sure they're only the fifth team to do that, but now as it is, I think we're going to see more teams do that. I think by midseason that that five is going to become a ten. I can see yeah. that, and then uh, both of them get the qu bonus question incorrect of who plays Mouth and the Goonies. 
which is good that they missed that because if they had done that and uh, scored two more points ahead of them, then I think Cuckoo's Mess would have been even in even more trouble. So I think I was very lucky that the bonus question was um, a little more difficult for them. But it does it does also if I was um, Coach Andrew, I'd be terrified of that being shown. Just like holy crap, they just missed the question about one of the biggest eighties films out there like this is now just like a red flag of just like oh yeah you're not going to put your heads down and re- do anything but all on the 80s films going well forward. i you see i don't i don't know if i would be terrified because it is it's a sense of you have to know not only the character but you have to know which character is which yeah like they could have both known that cory feldman's in goonies but they don't necessarily know that he plays mouth you know it's interesting because I think I think Alba was the one who said I've never seen this movie. I think he actually said that on the thing, and then he but did. he even get but he was that's why I like Alba as a player because he at least knows Josh Brolin is in it, and he guessed Josh Brolin. You can tell Humphrey was thinking of Stand by Me, but it was you know to his detriment. Okay, so um, but also, I, 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 I don't think Coy's the kind of manager who's who who do who's going to do that. Like he knows he's the guy who if you miss a question, he's like, all right, all right, you're good, calm down. So the two point lead. You have a chance to extend your lead here, so don't get in your own heads. All right. All right so I'm uh, moving on to the second round. So Rearrange Jokes go first to get 200s, 200s, 2000s, which they stick with, and they go uh, correct for uh, four out of six. This was interesting, I think, in terms of managing because it seemed like they wanted to spin away. That 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 mm. that, that that was their first choice, and Coy was the one who said, "No, you guys should stick with this. Um, let's see what happens." And it worked out, obviously, but it's. I think that's it's an interesting that they weren't on the same page there. I think that that you could say that that's the advantage of them having a manager because let's say you're the real rejects from a year ago, you don't you spin away from it, and then you get a worse category, then you end up losing by like one or two points, and that's how all their losses have have come is by those very slim margins. So. You'd say the Koi was kind of the uh, difference maker there. And so, how do we feel about this question? Because I thought there was one in particular that was just like, how is that a two pointer? Just like I know, obviously, shitting on the writers is always an easy thing to do, but I'm just but that in fifty first states, Lucy wakes up thinking it's which day of the week. But I think I, that that's something where, like, if you've seen the movie, I have. You, also, there's a also <laughs> there's a one in seven chance. either way yeah it's enough if you think about it you're like okay it's not a work day because it's it's prominently she goes to the place on the weekends to go do this so it's like you got it narrowed down at least and i didn't remember which one it was saturday or sunday i guess saturday and it was incorrect um but it's still enough to like get it down to be like okay logically it's at least one of these ones still was a tough question though yeah (laughs) And also, uh, just quickly as well, um, so the other question got wrong. In Avatar, what was the name of the sacred tree of the Navi? Um, John Humphrey spoke with Home Tree, which is the name, which is technically the name of all the trees. Hmm. I did my research because I was there just like, yes, yeah, that's right. What the hell is it on about? That's always yeah, the worst yeah. when you're so sure. that Because he seemed like he was like, oh, I know this one. It's yeah. this. And then he got it wrong and it made him sad. Yeah, but also it's good that they they, they took a shock. It's clearly that they uh, Cuckoo's Mess didn't know it on multiple choice on on non multiple choice, and if they had probably had to go multiple choice, they might have been able to steal it for a point. So I think also taking the shot on that two pointer, um, when you sort of have 
that team on their heels a little bit, it um, it, it devalues the question and it gives them less of a chance to get it right. Yeah, because you know that home tree was probably an option there. If that is the name of all the trees there, then it's oh, definitely, yeah. and they would have guessed that, and then maybe uh, Cuckoo's Mess would have would have picked that up. So that would have been big. So it was a mistake, but it worked out in their favor. I also they uh, Real Rejects kind of did a thing where they didn't give the chance of going to a multiple choice. Is that, like we saw that obviously in the Paul Yama versus Ben Bateman match. It didn't really work out for Paul this that time. But is that a strategy that pe- more people should use? Trying to go like don't go for multiple choice. Don't give them the option of a thirty three percent chance of getting it right. For that well, one point. Well, for the avatar question, it made sense because it seemed like he knew it. Like he was sure like that was the answer. Mm. So going to multiple choice didn't make sense. The only one that would have been was the uh, um, the 51st dates one. And that's logical yeah. too, because it's like, it's going to be four days of the week. So it's like, it's not, that's not going to help us that much. Um, everything, but yeah, I just think it's, I think it's a good strategy overall. Fair enough. Okay. So um, that leads uh, re-registers in the lead 23 to 14. Uh, so Cuckoo's, uh, Cuckoo's Mess spins, gets Denzel Washington spins again, gets opponent's choice. Yeah. So, this is the same t- tactic that um, D13 did against the uh, Tom Paul team. So, where they chose the one that they just spun previously. But just looking at the wheel quickly, it was uh, Jim Henson, Denzel Washington, movie quotes, action adventure, comedies, Julia Roberts, uh, Nora Ephron, and Quentin Tarantino, and Fancy Sci Fi. Like, is it a smart. Would. It's a smart option just to go, okay, you, you run away from that first one. Let's give it to you in the hopes that you weren't looking for something better. Or do you go for like, oh, go movie quotes. That should sink anyone. I think because they're a new team, that's the safest option. Because, like, yes, you've seen video Drew play, but you've never seen Rick play. So if you choose something like quotes or Jim Henson, maybe he's an aficionado in that category. So you always go for the category that both didn't um, get. Like like both clearly did not want, so I, I I think it was a very smart strategy. I think you you're going to see that with a lot of new teams coming in. With veteran teams, it's going to take a little more thinking. I think a hundred percent. It was the best way to go. They took the information, all the information they had in front of them, and made the most logical choice using that, um, and they moved forward with it, and it worked out. And also, just quickly going back a little bit, a uh, video Drew commented earlier. Um, just saying, we were unlooking at the wheel. That's it. Otherwise, we hashtag slide. That is true because it's sure it's like it was a tough category for them. If they if they had picked any of the other categories on there, maybe they would have been experts. Maybe Rick is an expert in movie quotes. What do you think was their two strengths that they put on the wheel um, besides so, rom coms? Because that was yes. one of them, right? Nora so, Ephron is is, is is I think maybe Nora Ephron because because that's that's that not a category sense. you you would normally see on there. Yeah, that's one of the new ones. So um when they had this green up it was uh, romance comedies and romantic comedy so that makes sense for your refron. It probably makes sense for like Julia Roberts as well. Looking up two. Hmm. That could be it. And and what do you think real rejects were? Their strengths were comic book miscellaneous and mixed bag. So hmm. works. Okay. Hmm. Maybe comedy, maybe movie quotes. Maybe they didn't actually choose anything and just went, hey, um, could you just want to randomly pick two out of the box? Yeah, because I guess if they have, I just don't know what else they would have picked out of those two because they get two strengths. So it's, I just don't know what they would have chosen. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. 
Unless Denzel was their strength, like I don't think it like if, if it was, I would have given them a little extra benefit, extra boost. Okay, um, so uh, going through how the Cuckoo's Mess did, so they got the first question correct. Uh, both teams got incorrect and multiple choice. The next two questions, um, remember the Titans, someone finally answers the question correctly about that. Shame for Cuckoo's Mess, it was real rejects. Yep, and then last two, uh, it was multiple correct answer and a correct answer for the final question so to be fair they worked well they went through it quite well they i mean they made a smart decision going multiple choice however clearly denzel is a big gap in their knowledge base um but they really got two questions out of it and the th thankfully they were only down by nine because if if um real rejects had gone perfect they might have been in knockout territory so yeah, so if they gave up, uh, it was ended up there around 24 to 18. So if we rejected again of a steal anywhere from them, that would have been curtains for them. Mm -hmm. So, and I think anytime you have a larger than a five point lead going into round three, you feel pretty safe <laughs> because you know that they're gonna they have to hit the five. Um, anywhere within that five point range. If you're the if, if you're the down team, you're feeling pretty safe. Um, but they, I think, they made the best out of a bad situation. They got points. They avoided steals at all costs. So, I think they managed that round two pretty well. Yeah. So when it comes to round three, when do we what do we think's the magic number of like pretty much you've got it in the bag already. You you don't have to worry about answering a five pointer. Is it going above five, or do you need to get more in order to be like safe? Say six or more. Six or like, more, I think, is a lock of just like you're probably not gonna. You're there's a very high statistical chance you're not gonna win this match. Yeah. So if it's pretty much dependent on if they get a five point, and no matter what, that's what you're hoping for going through. Yeah. Also, uh, quickly in the chat, video Drew, uh, they were trying. We were trying to uphold the legends of Remember the Titans. So thank you for honoring. Somebody gets it at least. Somebody knows it's the unwritten rule to Schmodown to answer all Remember the Titans questions wrong. Somebody finally remembered the Titans. <laughs> so I'm um, going through um, the round three. So um, it was Drew to at least two point up, almost Disney villain uh, with blue hair, with blue flames of hair, I should say. She got that correct. And the greatest line in the Schmodown this year so far Greg Arbor, fuck. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was perfect was editing because so it's just like timed. it's funnier with the beep, like after she says it, because it's immediate like beep, like after it is. I mean, yeah, yeah. it was so good. God, that was beautiful. That 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 really was perfect timing. That like they get it right, and then like the the shot pans to like the other side, and I was like, fuck, yeah. Worked so perfectly, and then uh, Rick got acts and actresses correct that three point one ninety eight seven German film wouldn't get the vibe was renamed ninety eight with Nicole Kidman and Rick Ryan. That was a big poll. I mean, I did not think that he was going to hit that. That was a big poll. He was. That was his actual first. Like it seemed like him being a little bit cocky because it seemed like he knew the answer and he was waiting to the very last second to say. And it was surprising. I this is it was one of the times like oh he doesn't know it. He doesn't know it. He doesn't know it all. He pulls. It's like, oh, like God, like that was, that's that's the that's how you do that. <laughs> and then uh, finally, the five point uh, spy. Uh, it was Tinker Tail, so spy. They got it incorrect. So, uh, just out of curiosity, have any of you guys actually watched Tinker Tail, so spy? 
I saw it in theaters and I remember loving it, even though I think I fell asleep for about 15 minutes in the in the middle part. It's a British spy film. You can sleep for 15, 20 minutes and not miss anything. <laughs> I remember it was a good movie. I have not seen it. I, I also have not seen it. I remember it being good. I want to go to, to Video Drew's comments because she, when she's saying um, in the chat how she thought it was Ursula as Hades. And that brings the question that I was wondering because she used a repeat for this question. And, and I was very mm-hmm. curious on what she was going back and forth between here. Yeah. Um, but now that's the answer. <laughs> and then also, as we're bringing her up, uh, City of Angels, uh, he knew the answer. She didn't think he knew it. Which No one fa- thought he knew it. That yeah. was a huge poll. I'm shocked that was a three point. I don't seem like even it was worth really worded as well. So, um, it was, what? I don't think so. So, we rejects to walk away with the victory. However, so um, we're going to ignore that she's in the chat, but who was the better out of the loony bin so far? Was it uh, Drew and Cougar Smith or was it Tom and Tom and Paul? Who's had I the think better? By their, I think by their standards by the standards that were set for them before the season, video drew. Because you saw Tom, he didn't get a perfect round. He messed up a little bit in round two. Um, and then and he did his third Paul, round. And Paul had, to, Paul had to carry him in round three. By their standards, Drew has been the better member of the Looney Bin this season. Do I think that that's going to change? I think so, because I, th- I think Tom is not somebody who's going to continue to have the performances like that. I think he's going to – his level of play is going to supersede what we saw from Drew today. Um, but I think if, if, if Drew can keep this up, I think she's going to have a great 2020. Absolutely. Like, just a singles player as well. Like, in Rick Hong, sorry, Tom, uh, did, <laughs> did show glimpses of greatness in that match. It just, like, it just seemed that maybe – just, it was a tough round two category. Yeah. I've, it's just there's nothing else on that wheel that makes me think that if they if like they would have done better if they if they spun literally anything else. Like just it just seems like they knew a lot of different things. And credit and we I think we, we have to credit Koi for a lot of this. He is it's the thing. Koi's sitting pretty right now. Yes, mm-hmm. he he was only two before this because he because both Bibiani and Meyer lost to Merle, but they both almost broke points records. They both only missed like I think three questions altogether between the two of them in that match, and now he has a team's win on his record from his B team, nonetheless. So he he has a, he has a win for them, and the way he's been managing has been absolutely superb, commendable. So, I love how he manages. This is an interesting thing because um, Koi with the real rejects, they're the only team that that weren't in the top five that stood were remaining. Uh, and people were just saying, oh, they're just joke team. They're just going to be new Wildberries. But they are quite an impressive team. Like, And although they're at two and five, it's a very dominant. They're a very dominant team almost. They're like, they can. Which do you think New Rio Jets can get anywhere close to a title picture match? I'm going to say no, just because, yes, they know a lot, but they know a lot of the same things. Like all the answers they knew, they both knew the answer. A lot of the answers they didn't know, they they didn't know together. I think in order to be a top-level team, you need to have a team where one person knows one side of things and the other person knows a lot of other things. Um, because that's going to really hurt you now in round two when you just both either know or don't know the answer because round two is definitely where that where you need that difference of of knowledge and breadth of knowledge in order to make it to the top i i i agree i don't think i think they can get another win or something on the record i think they can get to like three and five maybe even four and five 
but I and I do think they'll be in the tournament this year. I I, I think that could po- I think that's a possibility for them, and I think they uh, win a match in there too. But I don't think we have all these really great teams, all these good rookie teams that have still yet to debut. All those all those uh, rookie matches that are on the docket for the next month or so. It, it's going to be difficult for them. Uh, they 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 would they would have to be beat at least one really good rookie team and one really good established team. They would have to go and beat somebody like the family. They would have to go and beat someone like the odd couple. They would go beat someone like um, Lon and Paul. They would have to beat a team of that caliber in order to be considered title contenders. Yeah, is that is that the path that's going to be down? You think? Um, so who's, who's won so far? It's been, uh, Alf, it's been, um, it's, it's deep, deep 13, 13 and, them. Deep 13 and, and them. Just, those are the only two team matches. Yeah. So it's like, would they pair up if they won next or they pair up against the winner of what is it? Uh, the, the butcher boys versus, uh, the lawn and Paul's team. Yeah. What's yeah, the team name? It's like higher education or it's something. Final exam. Final, Final exam. exam. That's it. Which is a, one of the best team names ever. I think. Oh, perfect. I, I like the Butcher Boys. That, that is an absolute class name. The Butcher Boys is a it, that that's a Kaiser name. I mean, Kaiser literally pulled these two guys out of the meat shop he, he works at and, th- and threw them on stage. The big question that we're going to have to think because Vinny Mancuso was supposed to be Video Drew's partner before yeah. Rick, right? So the so, big yeah, thing is going to be like she was pitching heavily for. Yeah, so that's like oh, she was pitching. It wasn't the deal. No, she she was up. She was going very much. She was like, I want. I want Vinny. I want Vinny. Ah, but sadly, didn't and that makes and like that makes me think that Kaiser has a plan for Mancuso and 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 and, and Mugen. Like he must he must see something in those two chemistry wise that is phenomenal. And I can't wait to see their first match because we're talking about two guys who literally come from Kaiser's like mindset. Um, and clearly he didn't want to break them apart and have Mancuso play with Video Drew. So it's going to be interesting to see how, how they do. Whether they win or lose, they're going to be more one of the more entertaining teams, I think. I'm just yeah. qu- quickly trying to find the other match that was announced because uh, Mark Edward and Ellen Dewberry's opponent has been announced as well. Um, Garth, it's normally you that posts this. Why aren't you posting it in the chat I thought that Mark Kuick and uh, Elliot Dewberry were playing uh, finals. They are. Yeah, they're playing. Oh, they're playing final exam. Well, I don't remember who the Butcher Boys are playing though. All right, let's. Uh, oh, they're playing. The Butcher Boys are playing here at Schmo Center. We're very up to date on scheduling and know exactly who's playing who. So the answer of who they're playing are Bob and Brian. Bob and Brian. Bob and Brian. Until Bob we find the actual answer. Uh, Bob and Ryan. I was thinking that was a legitimate answer. Playing the uh, pride. Yeah, pride. Kenneth Lee, we love we you. It. We knew it all uh, at the same time. <laughs> yeah, so that's Rachel Silverstreet and Ben Goddard. So, to be honest, that would be a decent match. If the Butcher Boys can walk away with a W there, Goddard's proven he's got a win under his belt. Rachel Silverstreet is one of the uh, most underrated players in the Schmodown. But we have seen teams like Goddard and Silverstreet two players that are not familiar with each other, we've seen them fall to teams with great chemistry. Mugen and Mancuso, I think, are going to have great chemistry, and I'm going to pick them to beat the Pride. I'm going to pick them to beat Ben and Rachel when they play. 
because I am not picking against a a great chemistry team again. Uh, oh, uh, I, I'm not I'm not picking the new hot team against a team with better chemistry again. I have made yeah. two mistakes on that. <laughs> um, so I, I'll I'll pick Mugen and Mancuso to beat. I'll pick the Butcher Boys to uh, chop up the pride. I think so too, just because I think Rachel Silverstein is destined to just have bad luck in this showdown. Even though I think yeah. she's a great player, I just think she just she never gets the breaks that she needs. You she's- see, I'm I'm gonna go in a different direction because I think with all the other teams where that what you're just describing so has happened where the uh, established team or the team of like good chemistry beats the the new rookies. They were also people who had been playing in the Schmodown a while. They were never debuts with chemistry. And I think that's why I think Solstrini and Goddard are going to take this because they both played before. And I think that's a big advantage. So I'm actually going to give it to uh, the Pride on this one. But watch me be three for three with predictions. Watch (laughs) me be 0 for three then. That's cool. That's what I meant, 0 for three. I'll just stick to betting on March Madness games. Excellent. I'll keep not that I bet or anything because I don't know if it's legal in the state yet. Probably not. It's legal for me, though. I live in Vegas. It's legal. <laughs> okay. Um, so I uh, will move on now to the uh, second topic that we want to talk about. So this is the drama that has been going on the past week inside the FinSoc Exchange. To, uh, my question is, does Tom Lagnino have the telephone number of any member of the exchange? Or does he just like use carrier pigeons? Or something? You assume because... Tom Dagnino has a phone. That's a bold assumption. He has like six burner phones. Yeah, I I assume he has like the drug dealer phone, where it's just a BlackBerry. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's a BlackBerry thing. He just throws in a bin every couple of days. Yeah, exactly. So um, so we're talking about the uh, Damaro versus Ben Bateman match coming up in Atlanta. There, obviously, Finstock is manager of both of them, so he. That he can't reasonably manage both. So what was the proposed idea was that John Rocco was going to manage Dan Murrow and Ben Bateman would get Finstock. However, Ben um, backstage especially was wasn't complaining, but he had he put up reasonable doubt, saying, "Hang on a minute, having a team champion, having someone with that much knowledge of of movies as one person versus Dagnino, who's very good at some parts of managing, but not as in like he's not got an encyclopedic brain." So, yeah, uh, he wants someone to match Roka, which makes sense. So, yeah, so the idea was um, it was going to be uh, he was trying to propose that it was going to be Mark Riley in his corner, John Roka in what's it called, but uh, Murrow's corner. But like, but the, that's just this Dagnino just discounting himself. So is, is he is he really willing to put his own? to throw away, not throw away, but like discard his own reputation in exchange for having a level playing field. I mean, because either way, he's he he gets points for a title win. Yeah, because either way, it's a good position for him because if he manages Ben and Ben retains and then, oh, Roko was managing Merle and, and they lost that, I'm the best manager that has ever lived. Like there is no, you can't take that away and he can gloat about that forever. If he loses, then he has an easy go-to of saying like, yeah, he had the goat managing him. It's what's going to happen. Like it's so either way, I think he should have gone for it. So it just, it depends on what Ben wanted. (laughs) So Harloff just put in the Facebook group um, tonight on, on the Riley round table, Dagnino is going to be having a big announcement pertaining to the title match. 
So yeah. maybe that's something on the, uh, the, well, the the managing front or just something like that. I got I got a few quotes. Um, so uh, Ben Bateman posted in the Facebook group uh, today. Tom announced on SEM that he would not there would be no managers at Atlanta. He did this knowing my preference, but also without consulting two of the greatest players of all time. He did it with the kind of reckless abandon that has won him many, many championships. His decision is one I agree with, but one back and understand won't be digested well by all my faction mates. With that in mind, I am public advising Tom to listen to the challenger. If I, I will play to win Atlanta, no matter who's in my corner, this much I know. If Dan would prefer to play with Roker as his manager, I wholeheartedly accept. I did it without reservation and with no support to tactic or hope of manipulation. I want a good match, and uh, no, I'll get one. I, I'm on a 5 0 championship run with the greatest manager of all time doing what he knows right. See you in the ring. That sounded very much like him just going to Morrow, just like, oh, yeah, you really need Roker in your corner. You need them to hold your bag. You need them to give you your blanket. Yeah, because he mean, knows this is like that's what. This is, this is the definition of first world problems. This is what happens when you have five alphas in a single faction. They're all going to be re like wrestling for control. I mean, like this is absurd at this point. Just figure it out. This I mean, is like, why. I, I, sorry, this is why I think we should have to say you can't. If if you have both your players in a match, don't have deputies, don't have a, a, appointments, everything. If you're both your players are playing, no manager. Like I'm just, I'm sorry that that's that's going to be the easiest thing going forward, or we're going to get a ton of problems like this. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I wholeheartedly agree. Um, I look. You have, ben, you have Ben and Dan both re representing the uh, Finstock Exchange. If both are playing in that title match, no managers, no Dagnino, no Roca, no Riley. Just have them there for moral support, but don't have them walk out with anybody. Don't have them be managed by anybody. Both were essentially managers to themselves. At like like Ben was managing Dan at the New York event. Dan was kind of managing himself at at, at some point. They they both know how to play the game, just just play. So just play. I agree. Just I mean, Dan straight up said, "I don't need. I won my titles with uh, my. I won championship matches. I don't know what the actual quote was. Uh, the actual quote I you are about is, yeah, I won three single titles without manager. I can win a fourth without one. Also, um, also one something very prevalent that." shows kind of some damning evidence. Uh, up until this morning, I received no direct contact from anyone in my faction about a manager controversy. I spoke with Finstock on Saturday after hearing secondhand that my teammate John Roker was managing me for my title fight, and at the time, he confirmed that was the case. I was happy with the agreement as I trust John and his game advice implicitly. Like I said, when you have five alphas in the same faction, this is what happens. There's miscommunication, there's no knowledge of what anybody's doing. Everybody's off doing their own thing. There's no group cohesion whatsoever. I mean, you have you have more infighting than the U.S. Congress going on right now. I mean, this is absurd. You cannot have this much talent. This is like the Cleveland Browns right now. You cannot have this much infighting in a single team, in a single faction, that is just going to tear itself apart. You're ruining potential by... Miss by not having any communication whatsoever between your players, no contact between managers and players, no contact between players and players. 
Not even teammates are talking to players. I don't know what is happening. As a Clemson fan, I love it. But as, as a runoff fan in general, this is awful. So clearly the Finstock exchange, it just seems like they're on a path. They're going to break up. Like it's, yeah. it's like it has to happen eventually down the road. What keeps them together longer? Is it Ben retaining the belt or Merle taking the belt from Ben? Which is better to keep these group of five people together longer? Bateman has to keep the title in order for that faction to keep even remotely stay the same. Because if the power dynamic dynamic changes where the founding fathers have all the power in the team, then Bateman and Riley are going to be out the door quickly because things will go where the titles are. I don't, I don't agree with that. I, I think that Dagnino, I mean, Dagnino and Bateman first, let's not forget. Like, I think Dagnino, the best thing for the faction is if Merle wins, because then Roquette and Merle don't feel neglected uh, that, like, Dagnino is favoring uh, Bateman and Riley. I think the best thing for the faction is Merle wins, or, uh, yeah, basically Merle wins, because then it's like, okay, I respect you guys, I respect you guys, we're all happy. Like, then there's not this weird thing, but also I could see it being okay if Bateman wins, and then Merle kind of focuses on teams and IG for a while. Personally, I think the best thing to have happen is the status quo remains the same. Bateman holds singles, Founding Fathers hold teams. Or maybe Merle takes singles, and who's the boss takes teams. I think as long as one person from Founding Fathers, one person who's the boss has a belt, there's not going to be a problem. But let me tell you, if Merle wins and Founding Fathers retain, there's going to be a lot of problems because that that that's just going to piss off Bateman. It's going to put Riley in an impossible position because he loves Roca, he loves Merle, but he also loves his team partner. So th- it, this is really the only situation where more success is going to be fatal. I just go back to what Roca said just on um, backstage when he was hosting with um, um, Roxy, where he he straight up said, "I'm going to be looking for a new manager next year." Like yeah. I'm going to be everything different. That's just that just puts this bomb and ticking clock in this group that's just going to implode. Yeah, I I I, I would not be shocked if Roka and Merle asked for a trade sometime soon. All right, predictions: who leaves and who goes where? I mean, Roka and Merle. I I I a hundred percent see Roka and Merle leaving. Like I don't think Riley and Bateman are ever going to leave. I don't see that happening. If anybody, no matter what happens, be Roka. No matter what happens, go ahead. Uh, I think it's going to be at least Roka, and then I assume Merle would go along with Roka. Yeah, I mean, if you're mm-hmm. Dagnino, you got to start thinking about this from a trade perspective. Let's say Founding Fathers lose to Corruption or, or the family or whoever plays them in the next uh, team title match, Bayman retains. What do you guys think of this? Dan Merle and John Roca to the dungeon for for Robert Parker. Unless Parker destroys Ace Cabrera and literally like KO second round, like does what's matched did to what's it? Uh, Hector Navarro didn't even finish the second round. Like he has that performance to a swear, and everyone got because it, the only other person that I would say is worth Family Fathers is Kevin Smets. But overall, you agree with that, that Kaiser should trade an IG player to get a strong teams on his on his well, side. I think what Kaiser should do 
wait for Parker to build up that momentum. Mm-hmm. Like get get the wins in there because that's what Kaiser wanted from Parker with those wins. Get I, I fully believe that Parker's going to get to a championship match. Get Parker to the championship match with Smence and then keep the person who wins the title. Yeah. And then trade the the other person who is still a high value IG player. And I'm not saying trade them right now. This is going to develop over the next like like six months or so. I don't think they're getting traded until maybe collision. I I think that I don't think they're going to be. I th- I don't think Dagnino is stupid enough to pull the trigger immediately and trade them. Well, especially because you I have to think- consider the storyline aspects because that that is an element that is important to this league overall. It's like they wouldn't take they wouldn't make a Facebook post announcing. Um, uh, Finstock has traded founding fathers. They wouldn't, they, that's not how no. that's going to work. It's going to yeah. be a big thing where it's going to be like you're going to see the video of it first, of it happening, of a betrayal, of, or anything that's going to happen, and then they're going to be traded. So that happens at collision. Uh, yeah, I, mean, I think it's, it's, I think at collision or before collision, when, when, when Parker is 3 0, 4 0, and in the hunt for a title shot. I could see him being dealt, or I could see him being dealt once he plays Smets at, at at midseason. If he plays Smets at midseason, I don't think I don't think no matter what I don't, I don't think Kaiser is going to part with Smets. Just because I don't see I, I don't see Smets working with another manager personally. I I, I just like it, it. Just doesn't feel right though. It it, it doesn't doesn't it just doesn't feel right. Yeah. So but, um, so and but I, I the problem is. Aside from Parker, you don't really have anybody else who you could trade him for. Like, True. I'm just trying to think. They got Adam Ware. Uh, they got Eric Slipper. So if those two do well in Star Wars and IG, for example. I like, mean, you could trade him team for team. I mean, like, I, I, I see Garth in there who wants him on the Rockstars. Um, I don't think they're going to straight up trade Roca and Merle for Draco and Snyder. I don't think they're going to trade Roka and Merle for Alex Damon because I don't think Roxy's going to give up the uh, forever Star Wars champion in a, ever. Yeah. Um, so I think Danino's kind of in the tough spot where he he needs to trade them, but unless unless Parker Smets doesn't unless Parker Smets doesn't fan out, you're you're out of options. This is where RBM reveals his secret plan because Claudia Dorif turns out to be the ace in the hole is great. And then he's able to trade her for founding fathers. Claudia Dorf. Dorf. Who's her name? Yeah, that's who she traded for. Oh, yeah. Anyway, it's all part of RMB's plan. I've got one last question about this, because if you're the other six members of the Finstock Exchange, how pissed off are you at this moment? Especially if you're the Barbarians, because the Barbarian, this guy has A, stole your nickname, and B, he's got now a fine uh, Siberian chinchilla coat. And also, um, he's coming in with a lot of pedigree. Ethan Irwin has said that he's the next coming of him. He's like... Even Ben Bateman he also... Yes, but... Irwin also said that Liz Shannon Miller was was, was going to be the next great. And yes, mm-hmm. while we haven't seen much of her since um, the tournament, 
She didn't say that. Uh, he didn't say that. Christian Harloff said that Ethan's wife said yeah. that Liz Shannon Miller knows more than Ethan Irwin. Oh, also, okay. Also, let's be, not mess around about this. Liz Shannon Miller was fantastic. Is a fantastic player. She just didn't get the opportunity. But is she, she drafted? Uh, yeah, she got drafted quite late, I believe, by Swag. Let me pull this up. Uh, and that but, might have been an uh, availability thing. Yeah, so it was a case that if you look at the losses that she had, it was against Paul Yama on his walk to the title and then Ben Bateman in the tournament. So it's not like she's lost against two absolute nobodies. Yeah, she has potential. But yeah, if you're the barbarian, you're looking at this going, okay, so there's four people. You're all bitching and moaning about yourselves. You're taking all the attention. I'm here just like, want my chocolate liver? Are you going to, if you have any chance of winning, do you want to go, like, I'm going to just get me gone. I want to go somewhere where, where I actually get the attention and that TLC that I need to survive. Yeah, because you have to think that, because I remember Bateman mentioned a group chat with all, like, the horsemen. But it's like, you think that group chat consists of Finstock, uh, who's the boss and founding fathers? Like, the rest of the members of that, I don't think are going to be in that group chat together. Yeah, because he uh, like you've got like Emily Rose Jacobson. Obviously, she's like Jew, so it's not that she doesn't count, but she's like safe in her own way. Pull until Moral um, decides to actually put his foot into it. Then you've got like Gray Drake and Cody Hall and Ben Campbell, whoever Ben Campbell is. Yeah, but, oh yeah. I just could say uh, Liz Strand Miller is on swag, so she probably ends up teaming with Adam Halavik or Arby Free. Yeah. Which no really great options there. Yeah, sadly, once again she's got screwed over. Yep. <laughs> but yeah, so it's going to be interesting to see what transpires, especially February, because I um, I honestly don't think that the family that the FinTech Exchange stays the same for uh, come March. No, I think that we're going to see a big shakeup depending on how this uh, live event goes. And it's going to be big. No matter what, whatever's going to happen, it's going to be big. Uh, okay. Uh, so we did our predictions. If you want to watch the prediction for Mark Riley versus Janine Machine, we did that last uh, Friday on the Bonnie Bushamville versus Brett Sheridan match. Uh, Kobe, you want on that so quickly? Do you want to give your thoughts? Sure. I think Janine's going to take it. Um, I think she's been studying hard. Um, I, and I really, and hopefully that's not just bias because I really want her to do well. But I just think overall, she seems to be solid in all of her team debuts. And um, I think Mark Riley just is a little too inconsistent when it comes to his singles record. Um, and I think Janine's going to take it. What did you guys say? Did you guys say Janine or did you say Riley? I, I said Janine. I went Riley. Yeah. Because okay. you're an idiot. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> You're a moron. And then, so... Who did Bob um, We were talking, just quickly doing uh, Riley versus Janine. Who's more handsome, me or Tony, is what the question was. Um, That is easily Jacoby. Yes! Uh, <laughs> I lose every competition. <laughs> no, the question was Janine v. Riley. I didn't mean it. I feel like... Yeah, you said like, that we, did, we did it, but we just quickly... Uh, yeah, I, same in for the last time. I think Janine wins. I think she wins it more. Good. Okay. And so we'll do full prediction, I think, but I'm just quickly waiting for Scully to see the private chat. 
and as we do that, uh, just quick to say, um, for if you are watching this, thank you very much. Yeah, please subscribe to the page, or if you're on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel. We do a ton of content tomorrow. ME Live comes back officially. We're back doing the regular shot, so it'll be 3 p.m. Eastern. We'll be going live. We'll start for the Schmo down, then come back with Schmo Center. We'll need to start what we're doing. Probably Bond songs, because I've not been, I've not been listening to Billy Eilish song every minute of the day for the past week. I swear. <laughs> yeah, have I haven't listened to it all. To a no time uh, uh, to die the whole week. Oh god, uh, she did it at the Brits. It had Johnny Marr from the Smiths playing guitar in it, and Hans Zimmer conducted and finished uh. piano. It is the greatest life thing I've seen in a while. Hans Zimmer in a Bond film. My god, I'm shaking. Not stirred. So yeah, uh, yeah. also, uh, if you are looking for more content as well, uh, yesterday, Fancy Film Fights, we did the best movies with three word titles. Which uh, myself and Jacoby participated in along with I Brian. I clearly won it. School of Rock got highly mocked, and I'm upset. <laughs> yeah. So if you uh, because you Tony, you you made some rough moves here. I am sorry. You you. <laughs> you your it was the order of your picks that was just so off. There were some that you could have waited easily until like. The fourth or fifth round. Okay. I just really love Punch and Clove. It's okay. Nobody. <laughs> I, nobody nobody else was going to pick Punch Drunk Love. You picked Punch Drunk Love? First choice. He had the first he has the first overall pick out of anybody. It wasn't like he went fourth. He was the first one. You could have waited at least until your second round. That would have been that would have been a great final pick. That would have been like for my fifth choice, Punch Drunk Love, and everyone would have been like, "Oh, it's a great fifth choice." Now we're just all bagging on Tony. I swear. <laughs> yeah, uh, so go watch that if you want to watch mock me. Um, NBA live tomorrow, Smoke Center tomorrow. Uh, watch tomorrow. We're gonna have an announcement tomorrow, hopefully. Uh, Smoke Center. Yes, we so, will. Uh, that's gonna be fun. And then uh, FPTL Sunday match normal. Moyplex just released a Warzone match. So the it was Iron Eagles versus Jurassic Sharks. Wait, that that went up. Yeah, while we were talking, it went up. All right, did somebody make a post about that? Because then I need to if nobody did. Ha! You don't do your job well. Yeah, do your job better. Yeah. yeah so um, go watch that if you're into the family leagues. And then uh, go watch what these two do. They probably do something. You go watch Jurassic Galaxy. It's always a gr- good time. Screw you. I love you. All right. Um, so I think that's it for us. So thank you very much for watching. Um, come back tomorrow for more. Anyone saying bye? Bye. Bye. I thought oh, the thumbs up was the universal symbol for goodbye. It's a podcast as well. Oh, yeah. Podcast.